here we are again. I mentioned this morning, it feels like I haven't left. And I don't believe that's because it's been a short time. I think I feel that way because it's just a continuation of what I've been feeling in the Lord. And, you know, I don't always get that kind of feeling. Uh, you know, sometimes you just really feel it, that you're just uh, running ragged and, and tired and exhausted. But this is different. And it's a good feeling, you know, to be pretty close with the Lord and feeling His presence in your life. Uh, it's a glorious thing. And uh, I, I don't know how to explain it. As Brother Brad was mentioning about, you know, in the Christian walk, how, you know, we have great joy in our life. We most certainly do. But most certainly, as he said, we also have a, a, a opposite sorrow for those who don't have what we have. And... Um, I was just thinking tonight that not knowing the Lord, uh, you're missing out. You're missing out on so many blessings in your life. And I'm thankful I, I don't have to just tell you that. I mean, I'm telling you that I feel it and I know it. And it's a glorious thing. And if you can't feel that around the people here tonight... Um, we might, well, we'll just say we're praying for you. We want you to find the peace that passes all understanding. Amen. To find the Lord tonight would be the greatest gift you could ever receive. Amen. Do you believe that tonight, though? I could tell you all night long, and, I, and I'm going to try to do the best I can to give you what the Lord has on my heart. But do you desire the Lord tonight? Do you desire Him? Do you want Him more than anything else? It's a good question. Tonight, as, as we have pondered today and, and last night and the many different things that the Lord uh, the bright spotlights, as Brother Wheeler mentioned, that he has uh, been remembering all day long, and I'm much the same way, and say, Lord, you know, what is it that, that, that we're to do tonight? What is it that we're supposed to, to bring forth tonight? And I'll tell you that, that tonight, um, we want to try to read some scripture coming and kind of revolving around uh, Jesus on the cross, and the thieves that were there at his side and in kind of that event there and, and try to proclaim to you what uh, has kind of burdened me today. So if we want to read some scripture here, beginning in 23rd chapter of Luke, with Luke's account. Starting in the 32nd verse. And there were 
also two other malefactors, being criminal, led with him to be put to death. When they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood by, or stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him, and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, in Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I read this account, and I don't know how you are when you read Scripture, but oftentimes my mind tries to picture the events while I'm reading. Seeing that our Jesus that was led up, and of course all the events that led up to this point, as He was arrested there in the garden. How He wanted to do the Father's will. And when they came to arrest Jesus... They took him away, and we see and read that Peter, he took out a sword, and he struck the ear of of Malchus. And you know, the whole time during this period, we see Jesus and his compassion and his love for those who was about to take him in. Jesus took Malchus's ear, and he just made it just like it never happened. And he told Peter, he said, don't you know that I could call a legion of angels to stop this right now? And he went on. And Jesus was tried, and he was innocent, and he was perfect. And we see that they put a thorn, a crown of thorns upon his head. He was beaten. His blood was, was being uh, shed, and as he 
was put into the, the place of shame and he had to carry the cross up to Calvary's hill. And we come to this point in which we read that he was there on that hill. And not only him alone, but there was two others. And there is by no mistake that these two were there. There is great purpose and reason for you and I that this is in Scripture for us. Not only for the account that Jesus uh, most certainly, uh, the whole event that was coming up and building up to Jesus' crucifixion was monumental. But these two that was with him to the left and to the right was something very important for us as well. And we see, and as we read, that, that these two criminals, they were tried and found guilty. Rightfully so. But as they were there on, on Calvary's hill, it says in that 35th verse a few things that has, has struck out to me that, that there were those uh, rulers that was there and they derided Jesus. And they said, He saved others. Let Him save Himself. If He be Christ, the chosen of God. Think about how cold their hearts had to have been. We read the words that was spoken there at that time. But we see their hearts and where it was. And so far, they knew that He did many miracles and they still did not believe who He was. And they say, let Him save Himself in front of us if He be the Messiah. And it goes on, the soldiers, they mocked Him and said very similar words. He says, if thou be the King of the Jews, why don't you save yourself? Mocking Jesus. And one of the malefactors that was on one side, he was marched exactly right in line with these others that was there on the ground, saying, if thou be Christ, why don't you save yourself and us too? But, before we get to the other one, I, I want to point out, tonight, what we see in these two men that was on either side of Jesus, we see all of mankind in a picture I believe that is very vivid and very real. By the end of your life, you will fall into one of the two categories of this picture that we have that was on Calvary's hill. On the one side, you have one that was mocking Jesus and you see the words that if you be Christ, why don't you save yourself and us? But we see that the other one, on the other hand, he rebuked the, the other malefactor and says, Don't dost thou fear God, seeing thou that we're in the same condemnation? He says, and, But we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. You see that other one, he was rebuking the other for what he was 
uh, speaking to Jesus about. And he, uh, this other man, he uh, uh, rightfully so said that we deserve our punishment, which is death. He was completely honest with his situation, you see. And then he turned to Jesus. He says, please remember me. When thou comest to thy kingdom. And I believe he heard the sweetest words that he ever heard right before his death. As Jesus spoke and said, I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Right at the the last minute, the last however long he hung on that cross, he was given a great promise. So here we have the two pictures, I believe, of all of mankind. And tonight, if you're here, I know you're here, if you are lost and separated from God, right now you are in the side of the malefactor that is railing upon Jesus, and you are not coming clean with your sin. You see, just like the two malefactors, you uh, are guilty of sin. You have been tried, and if you know that you're lost, the Lord has convicted your heart and that you are guilty before an almighty God tonight. And you stand in judgment. And you see, those of us that have been saved, we are are, are on the other side. So you see the two pictures here. And all of mankind will fall into this. Now, uh, uh, I want to also point out that that those who were railing on Jesus, listen, uh, uh, you don't have an excuse tonight, lost sinner. If you are to die tonight, you have no excuse if you know that you're lost. You might say to yourself, I'm not physically saying out loud that I don't believe Jesus. I'm not physically saying, I can't believe they're saying that to Jesus. You are saying it in your heart by rejecting the Son of Man. You cannot and and are not trusting in Jesus and turning it over. And as Brother Reynolds said this morning, repenting of your sins and and fully surrendering your heart and your life to Jesus. You have things that are in the way. So you, my friend, are just in that same condition tonight. Though the words you speak may not sound like these that we spoke of. Those who were railing against Jesus, they did have question in their heart. Their question in their hearts was, if thou be Christ. But I want to tell you something. As I mentioned, that you are, not, you are without excuse tonight. And they most certainly are too. You see, they should have known who he was. They should have known without any doubt by seeing his miracle, seeing his power, seeing him raise men from the grave. He displayed all power. They should have known. The rulers, those who were uh, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were in a position from a knowledge standpoint to know who Jesus was, but they rejected him, you see. Why should they have known? We read in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah a beautiful picture 
prophesying of Jesus and who he was and, and what they were to look for in the Messiah. And they were masters of it. They knew the book of Isaiah very well. They should have known who he was. They were teachers and rulers of the word of God. If thou be Christ. They are without excuse, just like you are here tonight. Listen, you and I are without excuse. Uh, Jesus told them plainly, not only did they have the Old Testament, as we call it, uh, uh, to tell them that, uh, what to look for. We know that the prophecies came true in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Remember his birth? How glorious. Those shepherds that was out in the, in the field and the heavens opened to them and they were singing glory, glory, glory. They saw, they knew, the angels knew that Jesus came down from heaven and was born. But he was not born from the seed of man because he was God. As we know that the Spirit overshadowed Mary. He was perfect. They should have known. They had no, they're without excuse. But Jesus, he didn't just even just rely on, on, on the old, on the text for that truth to be told. Jesus told them very plainly. So they had all the miracles that he did. All of those things they had right there. I can't imagine being able to, to, to walk there with Jesus and, and going through the New Testament. We are blessed, by the way, that we have all of this Scripture to read and to learn about our Savior. Imagine being there and seeing these things that Jesus did as miracles and just seeing them with our own eyes. How amazing. But Jesus also made it very clear to them who He was. See, Jesus did not mince words. He was not any kind of author of confusion, but actually the opposite. He told them in the 10th chapter of John, they actually asked him. It says in the 22nd verse, and it was in Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came in the Jews round about him and said unto him, how long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be Christ, tell us plainly. That sounds awful familiar, doesn't it? Tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. And I said unto you, as I said unto you. And he says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. This is the Messiah. The one in which the world was rejoicing to see which we go back and read, and we rejoice that the Messiah came. 
that he came perfectly to fulfill the law in its requirements, in its entirety. We read that when Jesus was there on that cross and he was uh, crucified, and when he finally took his last breath, that it is finished. And we read that there was storms and the earth quaked. And we see and know, as scriptures told us, that in that temple of Solomon's temple, that it, the, the, the veil that was between the most holy place, the holiest of holies that separated that, it was torn from top to bottom. It was written to as more proof of who he was. Saying that you could come in to the most holy place and sup with me. Because he is the good shepherd and you are my sheep, those who know me. Those who have eternal life. How glorious is that tonight? The Messiah. He came and he died. But listen, tonight, uh, uh, there are many, uh, uh, it is not without excuse, there was many who trusted and believed Jesus and we know that he did. Before he started his earthly ministry, we know that John the Baptist says he was baptizing there, down on the river. He saw Jesus coming. And I, I, I just love picturing this in my mind. When he saw Jesus coming. Behold, he said, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He most certainly did. And he did it perfectly. And you know who he did it for? This is, the, this is the best part. You know who he did it for? He did it for you tonight. He did it for me. He took your sin and my sin upon that cross. That's what put him there. Because he loved you that much. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, you see. He did it for you and He did it for me. So we see that you are without excuse tonight, sinner friend. I don't know what's in your heart. Maybe you, ask, you are asking in your heart, is He really God? Is He really the Christ? Is He really real? If you are rejecting Christ tonight, that's what you're saying. That's what you're saying. But I want to tell you, uh, do not stay in that, that uh, uh, frame of mind. Listen, He has come to save you tonight, but you've got to come honestly with Him. You can't hold anything back. You've got to lay it on out there. Listen, you have to, to not worry about all of these people here. Maybe you're embarrassed. Maybe you're really shy. Listen, uh, that is not an excuse on the, the judgment day. You can't say, Lord, you know, I really, really wanted you, but I just, I was too shy. He's going to say, I'm sorry. That's not good enough. Because you have to get over that in order to get saved if that is your excuse. Listen, He wants to save you tonight. I'm telling you, He is there. He died for your sins. Don't be like that criminal that was there on that one side. And say, why don't you prove yourself? of who you are. He already did it. But He wants to reveal Himself to you. He wants to show you the full strength of His love 
of His Spirit and give you a peace, joy, and a love that you've never had before. I'm telling you, it's real. And as He told them that my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me, He says, I'll give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. That man on the cross who, who, who said, remember me, Jesus, his heart was right with God. You see, it wasn't the verbal words that he was spoken, but his heart was revealed unto Jesus with honesty. He had no, nothing else to prove. And the Lord gave him a promise, and I'll tell you, he'll promise you tonight if you get right with Jesus. He'll give you something you won't doubt. Maybe, maybe... You're a little confused. Maybe something happened to you in your life. Maybe you've been saved and, and you just are, are holding on to it. I don't know why. And if you're confused about where you stand with the Lord, I would urge you to pray. To do nothing is not good. Because if you haven't found the Lord, then you're in a bad shape. But I'm telling you, you're missing out if you've been saved and you have refused to let the world know. Because He is worthy of all honor and glory for what He did for you. Isn't He worth it if you're saved? Oh my goodness. It is. It's glorious to know the Lord, to shout it from the rooftops of what He did for you. Maybe you're confused. The Lord didn't author that, but He'll make it clear for you. He sure will. We want to have a song here ready. We want to give you a time to seek Him tonight. Listen, don't let the things of this world cheat you out of seeking the Lord tonight. I know you might have been in service after service. I know my son Eli. I know he's sought the Lord many different times. But listen, and we say this every time, but it is so true that truly tonight could be the night of salvation. The scripture says today is the day of salvation. Which side do you want to be on tonight? I'm thankful I'm on the side of, of glory. I'm thankful that I'm one of his sheep. And, and he's my shepherd. I know it. Do you know it tonight? He loves you and died for you and spilled his blood. And listen, him dying on the cross, it wasn't over. <laughs> it wasn't over. Really, that was just the beginning. Wasn't it? Oh, they thought they won. They said, yeah, you can have Jesus' body because they didn't believe he was the Messiah. But what did he tell his disciples just right before? He said, don't fret because I'm going to, on the third day, I'm going to rise out of that tomb. They took his body, they put him in that tomb, and he did not stay there. <laughs> It wasn't just his death. That was the beautiful piece that, that helped uh, solidify and, and, and complete the, the requirements of the law. For without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. But it wasn't all. 
as he's put in that grave. And that third day, he arose triumphant. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he lives. And he revealed himself to those that was there still. And he showed himself to the women that came down to the grave, to that tomb. Here I am. He revealed back himself to, to many others, those that were on the road to Emmaus and those that was in the upper room. He said, here I am. And you know where he's at today? You and I can't see him with our physical eyes, but he is right there at the right hand of the Father. He is alive today, and he is listening. And as we preach this morning, uh, that, that Jesus is passing by tonight. You see, he might be in heaven, but you have to understand, he is all-knowing. He is everywhere. He knows where you stand with him tonight. And He wants you. He wants you to, to be His. He wants you to have eternal life where He paid a very great debt for your sin. If you'll turn to Him tonight, He'll give you eternal life. And as has already been said, you'll never regret it. Where do you stand tonight? Which criminal are you? You see, I'm still a sinner. Lord saved me many years ago when I was 12 years old on a Thursday night. I was a sinner. Criminal, if you will. Whatever you want to label me as. But He gloriously saved my soul. And it's going to take me to be with my Jesus just as that one criminal on the cross as He promised Him.